So, due to the new discovery of many brain parasites, scientists say that a zombie apocalypse is actually possible. Now, I don't know, maybe it's just me that didn't really think as far as the zombie apocalypse because, like, brain parasites have been there for a very long time. Like, there's this one shorty that's been eating at my head. Like, I think about her all the time and, you know, like, every single time I see her or, you know, I see something that she posts up on IG, like, all of a sudden, it's like my mind stops working. It's like it eats away at my thoughts. And I honestly don't know what to do about the entire thing. Like, there's not going to be any particular treatment for such shit. Like, there's no prescribable medicine for it. So, it does actually feel like I might actually be dealing with my own potential zombie apocalypse coming soon. The only thing is, I know the disease that's about to come from this is, is the disease known as simping, and because there is no medication for it, I feel like the zombie apocalypse might actually be simping, because there's lots of guys that go through shit like this, and there's lots of babes that go through shit like this. So, maybe the zombie apocalypse is gonna be a simpocalypse. Now that I think about it, that might actually be what's coming next. It's not people just moving around being a you know, having their hands out and, you know, being lifeless. It's a bunch of people becoming simps. And unfortunately, we do not have a drug that beats simping. Although at the same time, even though we don't have a drug, we have ways to beat simping. And one of those ways is this podcast, which I should probably start. And I usually like to start by saying, Welcome to Breaktime on Westside, your number one Breaktime podcast, coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. The man on the mic is a man who feels he has the remedy to simping. Actually, that's a lie. I I simp all the time, actually. I'm just selling snake oil. He's a man who sometimes wonders if jumping to conclusions should be added to the list of things to do for cardio. It is none other than your tall, dark, and mildly handsome man, Sir Denver B. The show is Tweet Street, the show where we take a deep dive into Twitter, pull up a couple of tweets, and break them down a little bit. Now, as usual, the drill is pretty simple, and if you've listened to Tweet Street, then you know the drill. If you haven't listened to Tweet Street, then I'm gonna give you the drill in a little bit, because it's a very simple drill. I repeat it every time at this point, somewhere around here. And it's a simple drill, it can almost be said like a song, and it goes like this. You see that tweet, you like that tweet, you want us to discuss that tweet, you send that tweet. You send it to the DMs of at D, which happens to be my personal Twitter handle, and I will take it from there and I will handle it accordingly. On Facebook, if it happens to be a screenshot or a screen grab, and if it also happens to be on IG, then the DMs to send it to is at Breaktime on Westside. The Facebook page is also at Breaktime on Westside. And once you send it there, I will take it from there and I will handle it accordingly. Now, I want us to move into the tweets real quick. But before we do that though, I want us to talk about religion for a bit. And I know this isn't a religious podcast. I usually stay quite neutral and and I don't try to get into religion. But there was a particularly interesting video that I saw on Twitter this week. And I feel like you guys should listen to what they have to say because they seem to be making a little bit of sense. And uh, apparently they seem to have found the most efficient way for people to pay for the wages of sin so let me just play for you guys then i will discuss it real quick so here it is lust greed gluttony everybody sins and with our busy lives people don't have time to pay for evil deeds the old-fashioned way that's why god has immaculately inseminated our phones with a new app called sinmo 
It works just like old Roman Catholic indulgences, which allowed you to donate money to reduce punishment for your wrongdoings. Sinmo makes avoiding eternal punishment so much easier. I know that cheating on my husband has a price. That's a price I already paid for. Wait, you're married? From garden variety offenses like lying to your parents to more advanced infractions like organizing and genocide, Sinmo has a complete catalog listing the price of every sin. Whether you just murdered your uncle or sodomized a goat, you've never been closer to the kingdom of heaven. The real beauty of Sinmo is the way it turns vices into blessings. Every time you pay for a sin, the money you donate goes directly to the congregation of your choosing. Convenient settings allow you to transfer your Sinmo balance to another account or go Dutch on a sin with a co-conspirator. And the best part is, just like accepting Christ into your heart, the Sinmo app is totally free, with the exception of just a few in-app purchases. We're all human. I use it too, and trust me, it's a lot easier to enjoy your misdeeds if you don't have to feel guilty about them. Sinmo. The wages of sin are no longer death. Oh, Bobby. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this shit was actually pretty funny. Um, like, I'll, I don't know. Maybe you'll get the comedy of it just from the audio, but like I watched the video as well and it was funny as hell. But um, anyways, that said, it's not necessarily related to relationships, at least not directly, but it is a pretty interesting thing to think of, you know, the whole idea of now, you know, you can pay for your sins, quote unquote, using an app. And I know this one is actually more of a parody. Like I haven't done research on it and I haven't checked if the Sinmo app actually exists because I don't think it would be allowed in our side of the world. The only thing is, I know for a fact that this is most likely a parody. So because of that, like they're definitely making fun of, uh, I'm guessing, the Catholic Church and, and whatnot. But more so than that, like you think about it. If this was actually a reality and people could go cheat on other people and, you know, fuck up someone else's life and then just go and pay a certain amount to the church and they'd suddenly be forgiven. Like it does seem good for some people but it's very very devastating for a lot of others because those that have been hurt will feel worse because not only is someone who's wronged you being given the go ahead provided he pays but your well-being can pretty much be brought down to a certain swipe of a card or some shit and that probably will have more people seeking revenge on their own because imagine going back to the same person who took the money from that guy and then asking for them to take revenge on the same person that paid them. Like that might actually constitute one of these, I don't know, in-app purchases and shit. Because like you kind of think about it, if this was the reality for, you know, those of us that believe in God, then all you'd have to do for you to get away with just about anything on this planet is become a billionaire. And then at that point, you can fuck up, you can hurt people as much as you want, you can pretty much do all the wrongs that you would want also that you know you can appease yourself or whatever demons you have and then just pay back everything to god like you can literally be like i'll tell my assistant to send you the money like it would be that level and frankly i am actually glad that this isn't entirely the case for a lot of people if you do believe that you can pay your way out of a sin then well 
I guess that's you. You take that up with your religious leader. But I don't know, like I think about it, like especially when it came to things like cheating and, you know, treating your, your partner like shit and murder. And I'm thinking about domestic violence as well. You can't take shit like that and then just pay it off. Like that shit has mad repercussions. But anyways, that aside, that aside, I know I've made it all sound all sober and shit and that wasn't the intention. Uh, but I just figured it would be something that would be interesting to just think about for a second. But anyways, that said, we should move it on. So on to our first tweet of this episode. A relationship where both of y'all are funny as fuck over everything. Actually, no, I, I completely disagree with this. I totally wholeheartedly and unequivocally disagree with this. Because as someone who has been considered funny as somebody who likes to make jokes, I can say for a fact without a shred of doubt, no matter how funny or unfunny you are, if you are in a room with another funny person, then it almost becomes a competition. It'll almost always turn into a competition for who's funnier. Because the thing with funny people is, people expect people who are funny to always be funny. And a lot of times those guys will try to match up and continuously be funny. And that affects our self-esteem, especially when they make a joke and no one laughs at it. You know, check with stand-up comedians and shit, especially when they're coming up. It's the same problem. And because that problem exists, you'll find that like when you guys are like as a group of friends and there's this one guy that's funny and you're funny, the only way that you guys won't see any sort of way to compete with each other is if... Like, say, one person is funny in an entirely different way from how you're funny. Because, like, take, for example, like, if I'm funny in the sense that I usually make references to, say, sex or cartoons or some shit, and then the other person is funny in that they make puns, then we'll kind of go back and forth with each other and have fun with it because it's like, oh, whatever I'm doing can complement whatever it is that they're doing. So we can collaborate there. But if both of us like are funny in the sense that we make like references and shit or like we both do puns and shit we're always gonna be trying to outdo each other we're always gonna be trying to one-up each other so end of the day you find that the both of you guys are supposed to be having fun hell you're probably even having fun but at the end of it it's like there's some level of competition and if anything competition in a relationship is not good i'd love somebody who loves my sense of humor like if it's me with puns, which I definitely make a lot of, I'd love someone who loves puns and loves listening to me making puns. If she appreciated my sense of humor, I'd be thoroughly happy. As opposed to someone who's just as funny, if not funnier, because now I'd feel like I'm put in a sense of competition. A lot of times you find that if the two of you carry the same attributes when it comes to one thing, it makes you a little harder to connect because if I'm trying to be funny and you're trying to be funny, then who's going to be laughing at the jokes? You get? Like, that's just how I look at it. Like, maybe there's people that love being funny and want a funny girlfriend. But honestly, even with, like, the comedians that I see around, like the famous comedians, it's not like they have, like, funny partners. They have their partners and they love their humor and they appreciate their work. But, like, them being just as funny... Like, that shit is probably gonna be toxic for the both of them. So, in that case, I absolutely disagree with all of that shit. Don't look for a partner that's just as funny as you, if you are the funny type. Look for somebody that will love your sense of humor. If you're not the funny type, 
then fine you can go and look for someone who's not funny but if you're gonna get someone who's funny let it be someone whose humor you genuinely appreciate that said we should move it on so on to our next tweet take the red flags that you see in people seriously i know you can feel it when something is off you're not crazy you're tuned in it's better to be cautious and be wrong about a weird feeling than to overlook it and have it end up being right i also disagree with this i actually disagree with this quite a bit because here's the funny thing a lot of people usually say oh you know i thought about it and i decided you know what let me just leave it oh red flags this oh red flags that truth of the matter is a lot of times you didn't even see that red flag like the thought might have passed your mind but the thought was probably so tiny and almost non-existent that it didn't even occur to you at the time the thing with red flags and people is that not unless if it's a big blinding problem you most likely might not see it because you are supposed to look for certain things and most times you're not exactly going in looking for problems if you're going into a relationship trying to scout out whatever problems are there with a certain person then by all means you will find problems but when you're going in and you care about someone and you genuinely feel something for them you're just looking for the good you care about them you want to see the best versions of themselves because you appreciate them for who they are so whatever small problems that you'll see it usually just becomes a thing of ah it's a tiny thing is it something i can deal with is it something that's a little bit big so it'll cause a problem for me and most times people will look at it as a tiny thing not unless if it's something that you've dealt with before and you know very well that you won't tolerate it so if anything I feel like people should still go for those relationships but the more they notice the red flags the more they should definitely confront them or at least confront the person about those red flags and then if it's not something that can be done then you can step out don't pass up on a relationship or a good engagement or something great simply because you feel like so and so is doing something and they have a red flag like Take for example, there's people who will say that, you know, someone who doesn't have say anything beyond 6 inches is a red flag for them because they like good dick. And the person that they meet with has like 4 and a half. Um then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, this guy's a red flag. He doesn't have enough dick. You haven't even slept with the guy yet. You saw his dick, yes. Maybe you gave him head, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be shit in the bedroom." Yes, maybe he might not do a couple of styles, but if that's something that you're okay dealing with, then it's okay. If not, then fine, drop him. Because it's a matter of how big of a problem it is for you. And maybe that's a little bit too sexual. So let me get something that's very non-sexual. So so take for example, I don't mind negotiating with somebody, but I don't like the people that like try and force this person to almost give it to them at like buying price. uh cuz say for example I like supporting local businesses and I want them to make profit so even when I'm trying to negotiate on some shit I'm not exactly driving them up a wall and I don't complain and whine and shit about it but I end up with a partner who does you know that always negotiating you go to a restaurant you order for some good food the bill comes and they're like I 2500 for a meal ah it's not like this chicken was even more than 500 bob 
and that's for like three quarters of the chicken and we literally just got like a, a tiny piece so it was probably like 100 or 150 i don't see why we need to pay this much for all of this and honestly if we bought the chicken ourselves and went and we cooked it at home you and you and you just use the same two spices that they use the same two vegetables and the same spaghetti i don't even think it will cost you more than five or six hundred bob like you look at somebody and they're telling you this and you and you're literally just like then why the fuck didn't you just ask for us to cook and eat at home like for some people that's a huge red flag for other people they're like eh you know she has her understanding on finance and pricing and shit so that's her but say for someone like me i might just be like you know what why did we bother coming then if that's the case and i might probably get turned off by such a person so in that case like it's simply a matter of you asking yourself whether that quote-unquote red flag whether that characteristic is that big of a problem for you or not and sometimes you will realize that it might not be a problem for you in the beginning but it will definitely become a problem for you later on in the future and that's what you should watch out for if it's something that you're not used to if it's something you're experiencing for the first time then it's okay make that mistake make that mistake but learn from it but if it's something that's happened before and you know that it's a red flag and it's something that you're not willing to to stick around to watch happen then it's okay you can bounce from that one unless it's four and a half inches then you might not be able to bounce on shit depending on the size of the booty but anyways that's it that's it let us move it on to our third tweet of this episode unpopular opinion Rape culture benefits men who don't rape just as much as it benefits the men who do. <laughs> wow. 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 I didn't think I'd be dealing with such things this year, but wow. Well, anyways, it's well, we are pretty much at the end of the year and I haven't really covered this topic as much, so I guess we might as well just do it. So, first of all, my issue with the entire thing is the idea of a rape culture. Like, what the fuck is a rape culture? Like, let me just ask that. What exactly is a rape culture? Because for it to be a culture, like most people describe culture as a way of life. I don't think there's guys that have a way of life that involves rape. Like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one who's dumb. Maybe I'm the one who's highly uninformed. And I don't understand how guys' minds work. But... I do not think that guys would primarily be like, you know what, I'd love to rape women. If those characters existed, I think they'd probably be better placed in a psychiatric institution. And here's the thing. When you look at things that make a culture, because I've just pulled my phone out right now and I've asked what makes a culture. So the major elements of culture, according to uh, the elements of culture introduction to diversity studies, are symbols language norms values and artifacts now i do not know of any special symbols or gang signs and shit that people with rape culture have if there is such a thing as rape culture i do not think that is a certain particular language that is there with people with rape culture not unless if i'm aware of it and i probably didn't know that it particularly related to that I do not know of any norms, although that one can be justified as, you know, them actually doing it from time to time. Values and artifacts, very, very debatable. 
Now, if you take something like what people usually refer to as the drinking culture in Nairobi, there's a lot that you can do to symbolize this. Um, from the symbols, which is, you know, a lot of the advertising and, you know, uh, the the kind of people that we see each and every day, you know, who talk about going for drinks all the time. We pretty much know it and we see it from time to time. The language, uh, there's kuchoma, there's, there's, there's getting hammered, you know, there's so many different things that are said that relate to drinking that work. So it goes even beyond that, you know, artifacts, well, not artifacts per se, but art. You know, there's so many songs that relate to drinking and, you know, there's drinking anthems all around. You know, values, obviously, you know, there's the resilience, there's the tolerance of alcohol and shit. And norms, which is, you know, drinking from us early in the week is Monday and Tuesday. Like, it's something that can be justified. But when people are saying rape culture, I honestly don't understand it. I don't think it's a culture. I think it's a practice that needs to be, you know, shut down as fast as possible. But a culture? Like... I don't think it's something that's shared by a particular community or group of people per se. But anyways, that said, that said, I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking on on the so-called rape culture so much. So it benefits men, according to this unpopular opinion, who don't rape just as much as it benefits the men who do rape. Okay. Can someone actually explain to me how we benefit from it? Because the way i see it from my side of things because i have not raped a woman and i obviously do fall under the men who don't rape i'd want to see how it benefits me as a man because the way i see it the so-called rape culture a lot of the sexual abuse stories you know the men are trash movement all things that have come from the so-called rape culture that people speak of it's actually worked against me as a man more than anything like it might not seem that way for a lot of people but it is actually the truth of the matter because i can't go out with a babe for drinks i can't meet up with a babe at the club and she's lit and she wants to smash and for me who doesn't drink like i can't go home with her and hit it no matter how much i might want to no matter how much she'll say yes i cannot do anything of that sort if I'm approaching a woman, I have to be more than cautious. Whether she seems all nice and sweet with me or not, I have to be more than cautious because I would not want to be identified as a sexual predator. Like, how does this benefit me? Like, hitting on girls has become 10 times harder because we do not know whether this person has consented to A or or them consenting to A will not allow for B to happen. Like, there's so many checks and balances that we have to do right now before we hit on a babe that it's even become scary to do it. For me who doesn't drink, if I take a babe home and we do the do and she happens to have taken any form of alcohol or any drug and she wakes up in the morning and she cries rape, whether she was on who took my dick and put it inside her, I'm going to be claimed to have been the one who raped her. And you're telling me that this shit actually benefits me? How? Someone explain to me how this actually benefits me. Because at the end of the day, I'm left fearing for my life, but still expected to go and make the move for someone who also fears for their life as well. How is it that people think that us guys benefit from shit? Like, I feel like straight guys just get all this shit from people based on a certain very, very tiny minority of us, and it's blamed on the entire majority of us 
like we're the ones that did something wrong we might not even have any relation we might not have any closeness we might not even know the person but we're blamed for their acts and maybe i'm the one who's wrong maybe i'm the one who doesn't know anything but can somebody just explain to me how it is that us men actually benefit from this because honestly i i i honestly don't know how so the dms are open on twitter it is at bagaka the d you can hit me up over there on facebook and on instagram it is at break time on my side feel free to drop your thoughts and comments there the dms are always open thank you so much for listening all the way till the end and if you are listening through Castbox, feel free to drop your thoughts and comments below and i will attend to them accordingly if you are listening through some app that allows for ratings and reviews a rating and or review will be appreciated and i will catch you guys on the next break.